Amen. All right, well, we're there in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. And if you remember, we've been going through a series called Peculiar People. And of course, we weren't in this series last uh, week because uh, I was gone. But uh, we're going to jump right back into it. And let me just say a couple of things. Uh, you know, we, this is, I think this is now the fourth sermon in this uh, series. So if you haven't been with us for this Peculiar People series, I'd encourage you to go back on our website or our YouTube channel and catch up. Because uh, sometimes when we go through these series, we, we lay some foundations, we build on some things, and uh, you may feel maybe like you're coming into the middle of a movie or something, you know, if you haven't uh, heard those previous lessons. But uh, basically what we've been learning is that God desires, we started at the beginning of the year, the last week of, 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 la- the last, week of last year, uh, we started learning about the fact that God desires for us to be peculiar people. Uh, that doesn't mean that we are to be strange, but it means that we are to be different. And we've been learning about this idea of separation. And we talked about uh, just the, the theology of separation. We talked about uh, setting up standards and having biblical principles to back up our standards and our beliefs. This morning, I want you to notice there in verse number 23, the Bible says this, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, and the very God of peace, notice this word, sanctify. The very God of peace, sanctify. The word sanctify means to set apart, to make holy. See, God desires, and again, I don't have time to re-preach the last three sermons in this series, but God does not want a people that are like the world. God desires a peculiar people, a peculiar treasure. And he says here that the God of peace, he says that he would sanctify you. He says that he would separate you, that he would make you holy. He says that he would sanctify you holy in the sense of H-O-L-I, sanctified. But then he says this, sanctify you holy, if you notice the word there, W-H-O-L-L-Y. The word holy means completely. See, God desires for you to be a peculiar people, but he desires for you to be a peculiar people completely. He says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God, notice, your whole, your complete, your entire. Notice the uh, sections here of our uh, lives that he covers. He says, spirit and soul and body be preserved unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice in this verse that God is, God's desire is for you to live a sanctified and a holy life, and He wants it in every area of your life, your spirit, your soul, but He says also in your body. He desires for every area of your life to bring honor to Him. He desires for every area of your life to be submitted unto him. Now, keep your place there in 1 Thessalonians. We're going to come back to this part of the Bible. But go to me to the book of Proverbs. If you open your Bible just right in the center, you'll more than likely follow the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you've got the book of Proverbs. And while you go there, let me read for you from 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. Now, you don't have to turn there. The verse is actually in your bulletin, but it says this, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. The Bible says that when you got saved, not only did God uh, uh, take ownership of your spirit and your soul, but he took ownership of your body. He took ownership of everything that uh, is, is your life. It belongs to God. And this morning, I'm preaching on a very specific subject, and I'm preaching on the subject of clothing. And I want to speak on the subject of being peculiar in 
our clothing. Now, you might be here and say, you know, does the Bible speak about clothing and appearance? Does the Bible talk about these things? And I want to begin this morning by showing you that the Bible speaks a lot about the subject of clothing. And, and you say, well, why is that? And here's why that is. is because the Bible speaks to every area of our lives. There is not an area in our lives that God does not have an opinion in, that God does not have a will in, that God does not have something that he wants us to do for him or to honor him, and, and, he, and, and that would also include clothing. Let me just give you some examples of this. If you're in Proverbs, uh, go to chapter 7 and notice verse number 10. Here we see a verse where we see that a woman is identified by her clothing. Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 10. Now this verse is not a politically correct verse, but it's the Word of God, you know, and it's, it's the Bible, and of course we don't apologize for that. Proverbs seven ten says this, and behold, there met him a woman, notice, with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. Here we're told that this woman, and if you read Proverbs chapter 7, this chapter is about a harlot. It's about a loose woman. It's about a woman that is trying to uh, uh, bring a, uh, to cause this man to uh, commit adultery with her. But I want you to notice here that the Bible tells us that he was met by this woman, but he was met with the attire of a harlot. And the Bible tells us here that you could identify this woman as a harlot. You could identify her as a loose woman by the way that she was dressed. And today, people in our world will balk at that. You know, and I'll say that and people say, I can't believe that you would, you would say that. But listen to me, the Bible teaches that your clothing identifies the type of person that you are. That's why, that's why we have that quote in the bulletin, dress how you want to be addressed. And listen, ladies, if you don't want to be addressed like a harlot, if you don't want to be looked at like a harlot, like a whore, that's what the word harlot means, and the word whore is a biblical word as well, then don't dress like one. That's what he's saying. He says, look, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. Go to Genesis chapter 38. Let me show this to you from Scripture. Genesis 38. And, and look, if you stay with me, you're going to see that the Bible talks a lot about this subject, and we're going to look at a lot of different passages. Genesis 38 should be fairly easy to find. First book in the, uh, in, in the uh, Bible, Genesis 38. Genesis chapter 38 and verse 14. Notice what the Bible says. Genesis 38 and verse 14 says this, And she put her widow's garment off her. And I don't have time to develop this story. This is a story of Tamar. Uh, and you can go back and read it in its context. But I just want you to notice this woman, Tamar, was a widow. And she wants to do something that uh, is wrong. She wants to seduce uh, Judah to basically have a physical relationship with her. And I just want you to notice what the Bible says about her clothing. Genesis 38, 14. And she put her widow's garment off her. So she had clothing that identified her as a a widow and covered her with a veil and wrapped herself and sat in an open place, which is by the way of Timnah, for she saw that Sheila was grown and she was not given unto him to wife. Notice verse 15. When Judah saw her, he thought her to be an harlot. You say, why? Because she had covered her face. And here we see an example that in these times, these harlots would dress in a certain way. They were covered with a veil 
veil and they wrapped herself and sat in an open place. And I want you to notice that Judah saw her and he thought of her that she was a harlot because of how she was dressed. And this is the theme that we find in Scripture, that the, that, uh, the way you dress will identify who you are. And again, people don't like that. They don't want to hear that. You're there in Genesis. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel 16, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel. You can find all those one and two books. They're all clustered together. 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles. Today, people don't want to hear that, but look, it's the truth. Look, if, if, you're, if, if you've got a, a hat on, you know, a baseball cap on to your side, and you got baggy pants on that you can't, you know, hold up, and you're showing your underwear... And you and and you're dressed like you know you're dressed like some sort of a hip hop rapper, you know. People are going to assume certain things of you. Amen. They're going to assume that you're a thug. And you say, well, that's not fair. Hey, it's it's human nature to look at someone and see how they're dressed. If I look, if somebody walked in here and they had a cowboy hat and a belt buckle this big and boots on, I'm gonna assume they're a cowboy. I'm not going to assume they're, you know, if somebody said, what kind of music do you think that guy's listening to? I'm not going to say, ah, I don't know, Snoop Dogg? <laughs> no, I, he's probably listening to country music. You say, why? Because your clothing identifies you. People say, well, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. And I often say this, if you don't judge a book by its cover, then how in the world do you judge a book? Amen. I mean, try going into the library and picking out a book, but not looking at the cover. You have to read the entire book to know what it's about. Look, the cover's there for a reason, and your clothing identifies you. This is what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that the way you dress identifies the type of person that you are. And, and we need to understand this. This is human nature, 1 Samuel 16. Now, let me show you this verse, because 1 Samuel 16, 7 is a verse that the liberals will often throw at us. When we preach sermons like these about clothing, about standards, about separation, they'll throw this verse at us. But what's funny is that this verse proves the point. 1 Samuel 16, 7, this is, of course, about David, when David was anointed to be king of, uh, uh, of Israel. 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Bible says this, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Samuel was the prophet who was going to anoint him, and God is telling Samuel, he says, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, amen, I like that, because I have refused him. Because remember, Samuel was looking at the brothers of David, and they were big, and they were tall, and they were strong, and he was thinking, this must be the one, this must be the one that God wants. And God is telling him, look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. Notice, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And the liberals will say, see, it doesn't matter how you are dressed on the outside, because the Lord looketh on, uh, uh, on, the, on the inside, and, and man looks on the heart. But here's the point. The verse is telling you that man looketh on the outward appearance. Because men are not God. We cannot see your heart. We can only base what we know about you based on what we see. And, 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 and here's what you need to understand. The Bible is very clear that our testimony before men is important. So let your light so shine before men. 
that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. So they'll, they'll say, well, this is all about, this verse proves that it doesn't matter. But if anything, this, this verse proves that it does matter. Because you know what? The Lord seeth not as man seeth, for, but man doth look on the outward appearance. Now let me just say this about clothing, and this is all introduction before we get into it. But go to Matthew chapter 23, first book in the New Testament, should be fairly easy to find. When we talk about clothing, we should understand that clothing is important, and it's important because it's important to God. And we're going to see today, we're going to, I'm going to show you a lot of verses, we're going to go to a lot of references, and look at these, what the Bible teaches about clothing. But let me just say this, we must keep clothing in its proper perspective. In Matthew 23 and verse 25, I want you to notice what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He says this, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, and I want you to notice this word, hypocrites. He says, For ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter. Jesus looking at the Pharisees and he's saying, You're, you're right on the outside. Your clothing, your standards, the way you carry yourself, everything about you is right. He says, ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter. He says, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Here's what Jesus is saying. It doesn't matter if you're right on the outside, but on the inside uh, you are uh, uh, living a sinful life. You're not right with God. Look, he says, look. Understand that our appearance is important because it's important to God, but we have to understand the perspective that you can have the outside right and the inside wrong. And, and he tells the, the Pharisees, he says, look, you are whited sepulchers. He said, when we look at you, we see this beautiful monument. He said, it's like going to a cemetery, seeing a beautiful monument uh, 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 of someone who's dead. He says, you're whited sepulchers, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. So please understand this, that there is a tendency, especially with conservative fundamentalists, to make too much of the outside and to just decide that we've got to be right in our clothing and right in our appearance. And I believe we should be right in those things. That's why I'm preaching about it. But understand that your inside counts too. And on the inside, you should be right with God. And on the inside, you should love the Lord. And on the inside... But see, notice... Jesus is not being critical of the outside appearance, because notice he says to them, For you may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Verse 26, he says, Thou blind Pharisees, notice what he says, Cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, don't miss this, that the outside of them may be clean also. So notice, he doesn't say, Hey, make, make, uh, cleanse first that which is uh, within and then don't worry about the outside because the Lord looketh on the inside and only man looks on the outside. No, he says, look, first make sure that you're right on the inside and then go ahead and clean up the outside. He says that the outside of them may be clean also. So I want you to notice, you say, what is it that God wants with our appearance? God wants in our appearance that we would have an appearance of godliness, of holiness, of being close to God. But he does not want us to have that appearance while on the inside we are far away from God. He says, I want you to be close to me on the inside and then I want the outside to reflect the inside. Cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter that the outside of them may be clean also. So I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of 
your clothing. And I want to give you three biblical guidelines, guides that God gives us in Scripture in regards to how to uh, clothe ourselves as Christians. And these guidelines, and I like you to write these down because as a Christian, if you have a desire to be holy and to walk with God and to be pleasing to the Lord, these are guidelines that you should follow when it comes to your clothing standards for yourself, maybe for your children. You ought to follow these standards in your life and, and consider these things. These are very clearly taught in Scripture. Go to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. If you kept your place in 1 Thessalonians, right after 1 Thessalonians, you got 2 Thessalonians. Right after 2 Thessalonians, you have uh, 1 Timothy. Now, let me say this. We do not want to develop a holier-than-thou type mentality where people pride themselves on how, you know, righteous they are on the outside while the inside is full of dead men's bones. We want to cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter that the outside of them may be clean also. But let me give you just a couple of reasons why you go to First Timothy chapter 2. Why preach this sermon? And, and there's really two reasons. Number one, a reason to preach a sermon like this, and if you've been here with us for years, you'll know that uh, about once a year I'll bring a sermon like this to our church, and you say, Pastor, why is it that once a year you'll preach a sermon about uh, clothing? And here's the thing, this sermon has been scheduled for this Sunday for, I don't know, three months now. You know, back when I, at the end of last year, when I developed my preaching calendar for this year, this was the sermon that was chosen for this week. The week after the Philippines missions trip, I was going to preach on clothing. So if you're here this morning and this is your first time here, lucky you. You chose the right, you chose the, you chose this sermon. You say, does you normally preach on clothing? I preach on clothing about once a year, you know, on purpose where I schedule it. I preach on clothing also um, uh, just as it comes up in Scripture while we're going through books of the Bible or studying things like that. But at least once a year, I preach on clothing. You say, why do you do that? I do that for a couple reasons. Number one, the Lord has blessed our church in the sense that we are a growing church. We are not like one of these old, uh, dead Baptist churches that just has the same four people, it's us four and no more, and it's just the same crowd, and it's been the same crowd for years. The Lord has blessed our church in the sense that our church is constantly growing. Every week at Verity Baptist Church, we have guests with us, and every week uh, we are adding uh, people and families, and people start joining our church, and, and we're blessed to have some new believers with us that we've gotten saved, and we're helping them grow, and we're discipling them. And, you know, for that reason, reason I preach a sermon like this because every year our church has new people in it. And they need to learn these things. They need to be taught these things. They need to be uh, 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 discipled in this area. But you know what? I also preach it for those of you that have already heard it. Because what I've noticed with church people is that they have to be reminded about what we believe and why we believe it. And here's why. Because if you allow it to slip, then people, you know, they, they forget. They start thinking, well, I haven't heard about that for a while now, so it must not be important. No, it's still important. Amen. And we should be reminded of these things. Now, let me just say one more thing, and we're going to jump into uh, the three guidelines. Let me just address those of you that are first-time guests, because I understand that at Verity Baptist Church, on any given Sunday, we'll have anywhere between two and five first-time guests with us on a Sunday morning. And if you're a guest this morning, I am glad you're with us. I am glad you chose this Sunday uh, to be uh, your first Sunday with us. But let me say a couple of things. If you've never heard what I'm going to preach this morning, you have no need to feel guilty. You have no need to feel bad. 
We are not bashing on you or picking on you. This is a sermon that was chosen for this Sunday, and you just happen to be here. But you know what? I'm glad you're here, because if you, if, even if you disagree with the sermon, I believe that if you listen to what I have to say, you'll at least be able to walk away from the sermon and say, man, you know what? I don't agree with what he said, but he backed everything he said from Scripture. Because, you know, you say, why preach these sermons about being peculiar? And we've talked about this over the last several weeks. It's because of this. You need to know not only what you believe, but why you believe it. You need to know, hey, it's good to know what the clothing standards are, but you should be able to prove those from Scripture. You should be, if a neighbor or a family member says, why do you dress a certain way or why do you do this? Or I notice you don't wear this anymore. You don't dress like this anymore. If you say, well, that's because what my pastor says, that's the wrong answer. You need to be able to open up the scriptures and show a scriptural principle as to where your standard came from. And I realize that's a sermon that I've already preached, but we're going to show these biblical guidelines. But let me just say this. If you're here, you've never heard this before. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel bad. Nobody's looking down on you. Nobody's, uh, look, everyone here heard this for the first time at some point. Everyone, this was new to everybody at some point. And what I always tell people is this. Don't you want to go to a church where you're learning new things? I mean, what's the point of going to a church where you just, I know everything. Everything the pastor says, I already know what he's going to say. It's good to be challenged. It's good to hear something new and say, wow, I never knew that before. I never knew the Bible said that. And to be challenged with those things. But let me tell our church people, don't ever, don't ever, if you ever want to see Pastor Jimenez just be angry, don't ever walk up to one of our guests or some new Christian in our church and just look down on them for the way they're dressed. Sometimes, you know, I hear people doing that, and I want to, like, go and get the picture of when they first showed up. (laughs) Like, man, they look better than you did when you showed up. You know, here's the point. We're all growing. We're all learning. Maybe you've heard this before a hundred times. Praise the Lord. It's good to be reminded. Maybe it's the first time you're hearing it. That's okay. Follow along in Scripture. Write down some notes. I thought that's why you came to church, to learn the Bible. I'm, I'm pretty. I, I, that should be the reason you showed up to church is to learn the Word of God, is to learn the Bible, is to learn these things. So let me give you some guidelines in regards to clothing. First Timothy chapter two. If you'd like to write these down, it's three guidelines the Bible gives us in regards to clothing. And by the way, I'm not going to sit here and tell you wear this, don't wear this. Wear Nikes, not Adidas. Okay, <laughs> not not this name brand. These are guidelines, scriptural guidelines that God gives us so that you can determine what it is that you should wear to please the Lord, all right? Guideline number one, God wants your clothes to be modest. If you're taking down notes, if, if, at, in the back of your course of the week, there's a place for you to write some notes down. If you'd like to write these uh, uh, statements down, guideline number one, God wants your clothes to be modest. Are you there in First Timothy chapter 2? Look at verse number 9. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9. And by the way, if anybody ever walks up to you at our church and, cor- and tries to, like, correct you or insult you on your clothing, please come and tell me, and it will be dealt with. Because that's what we're avoiding, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, where you think, where you're trying to hold something over someone. Well, I'm more righteous than you are. No, the fact that you're even bringing it up shows that you're carnal. Amen. Shows that the inside is full of dead men's bones. 
So we, of course, should be graceful. We should understand that uh, we're all at different stages in our lives. We're all growing at different paces. We all have different... Uh, uh, and, and look, maybe you've heard this before and you're, just, and you're just not ready to accept it. Look, that's between you and God. My, you say, what, what, is, what is your job as a pastor? My job is to teach you the Word of God and to try to influence you in the right way. But at the end of the, at the, end of the day, look, you have to make the decisions for yourself, for your family, for uh, you know, what you believe that God wants you to do. But I'd like you to notice in First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9, the first guideline to clothing is that God wants your clothes to be modest. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 9, in like manner also that women adorn themselves. Now I want you to notice here he talks about women, but these principles can be applied to both men and women. Now he talks about women because look, women like clothes. It's a big deal for women. You know, if you, men, there's some metrosexuals out there that are really into, into their clothes, but most manly men don't really care about clothes. They don't really care about what they look like. If you need some proof, look around. Look at these guys. You know, they're, they're not really, it doesn't seem like they care that much. But, uh, you know, so he talks about these women, but these standards can be applied to both men and women. He says this, in like manner also that women adorn themselves, notice what he says, in modest apparel. Then he says this, with shamefacedness and sobriety. I want you to make note of these words. Modest, shamefacedness, sobriety. He says, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Now let me just say a couple things. The word modest, let me just give you some definitions. The word modest means having or showing a moderate or humble estimate of one's merits or importance. Free from vanity egotism, boastfulness, or great pretensions, free from ostentation or showing extravagance. The word modest means that you're not trying to be flashy. You're not trying to bring attention to yourself. He said the word shamefacedness. The word shamefacedness means modest or bashful, showing shame. And again, the idea is that it's not out there. It's not flashy, it's not in your face, but it's modest. He also used the word sobriety. The word sobriety means the state or quality of being sober, of course, uh, temperance or moderation, uh, um, uh, seriousness, gravity. Uh, it, it, it means to be serious. And here's what I want you to understand. The first thing that God tells us in regards to our clothing is that He desires for our clothing to be modest, to be shamefacedness, to be uh, in sobriety. What He wants is for it to not be flashy. As Christians, the Bible teaches that we are not to dress to show off or to dress to bring attention to ourselves. Let me just deal with something here in verse 9. Because at the last part of verse 9, he says this, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. All right? And people will say, uh, well, God is against women wearing uh, uh, jewelry or doing nice things with their hair. You know, the problem with that is that when you go to Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman, who's the highlight of, you know, uh, uh, of an example of a woman in the Bible, you see that the Bible says that she dresses nicely and that she takes care of herself. So it's not that God is against people taking care of themselves, but he's against you wearing uh, jewelry to the point where it's excessive, to the point where it's flashy. He's against you doing your hair to the point where it's excessive, to the point where it's flashy. He's not against those things in and of themselves because people say, oh, he's against all those things. Well, he talks about array, he talks about clothing. Is God against clothing? 
He's not against you wearing clothes. He just doesn't want you wearing clothes that are going to bring attention to yourself. Let me give you another verse. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3. You're there in 1 Timothy. You're going to go past uh, 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3, look at verse 3. Notice what he says. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3. Who's adorning... Let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold and of putting on of apparel. Now again, notice he says putting on of apparel. He's not against people putting on apparel, but he's saying it should not be this outward flashy showing off, verse 4, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. Notice the emphasis on the inside. When the inside is right, the outside will be right as well. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament. Notice, and ladies, this is about women. So you ought to mark this down. Of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, a great, of great price. The Bible says that women are to have, this should, be, this should be how a godly woman is described, as having a meek and quiet spirit. And I don't have time to develop this, but what's interesting is that when you go back to Proverbs 7 and when you go to the Proverbs about the harlot, about the, the woman who's committing adultery, it says that she's loud and stubborn. You know, ladies, you should not be characterized as someone who's loud. The Bible says you should be characterized as someone who is meek and quiet, that has a meek and quiet spirit. But here we're told that along with that meek and quiet spirit goes an outward appearance of modesty, of not being flashy, of not dressing to bring attention. So here's the question you should ask yourself. When you get up in the morning to get dressed, you should ask yourself, am I dressing to bring attention to myself? Am I putting on clothes that are meant for people to look at me? For people to, when I walk in a room, everybody looks at me and looks at how I'm dressed. And if, you're, if the answer is yes, then you're wrong. Because God desires for Christians to dress in a way that is modest, not flashy, not bringing attention to yourself. And again, this doesn't mean ugly. Because the virtuous woman is dressed in purple and in silk. She's dressed beautifully. But she's not dressed to bring attention to herself. And let me again say this. This applies to men too. Men, you should not dress to be flashy. And, I, and every time I preach this, I bring up this example because I think it's a good example. But look, if I walked into church this morning, you know, I just got back from the Philippines and the service already started and I walk in through the back, you know, here Brother Matt's uh, leading uh, 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 victory through grace. And Pastor Jimenez walks in, and I've got a red suit on with red shoes, with a hat with a feather. Don't you think everyone's going to look at me and be like, what in the world happened to him in the Philippines? I mean, everybody's going to If I just walk in, and I've got a suit on with a tail down to here, and I've got just a Rolex and bracelets and a chain, I'm just walking in like this. From the Philippines. What, look, would that be modest? That would be flashy. That would be bringing attention to my... I'd be dressing just so people would look at me and laugh. <laughs> and some of you would be like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Shows your background. 
But you know, you, you look, am, am I dressed bad today? I think I'd look nice. I don't care what you think. <laughs> My wife said I look nice. You know, I think I'm dressed nice today, but look, this suit is not flashy. I got a, a gray suit on. I don't know what, the, is this gray or charcoal? I don't, I'm not sure. A gray suit on, a white shirt, a blue tie. I look nice, but look, I wouldn't walk. There's no place in this world that I'm going to walk into, and people are just going to be like, look at that guy. You know why? Because it's nice, but it's modest. And you, as a Christian, should dress nicely, but you should dress modestly. You should dress in a way where you're not bringing attention to yourself, where you're not bringing attention. And, you know, the thing is this. When it comes to men, you know, it's funny with the flashy clothes or whatever. But oftentimes, ladies will dress like a harlot, will dress like a whore to bring attention to themselves, to bring attention to their body. And you know what? The Bible says that's not right. That's not, that's not what God desires. God does not desire for you to dress in a way that brings attention to yourself. The first guideline we see in Scripture when it comes to clothing is that you be modest, that you, bring, uh, that you dress in a way, and it can be nice, and it can be beautiful for the ladies. It can be uh, great. It can be nice looking, but it should not be flashy. It should not be directing the attention to you. You say, well, why is that? Because you know what? As a Christian, our entire purpose is to bring glory to God. And when we do anything that takes the attention away from God and puts it on ourselves, we're wrong. You know, uh, recently there was all these pastors doing the, that T.D. Jakes thing. Remember that T.D. Jakes thing? What's funny because if you, I used to, I remember when I was a kid, I used to watch T.D. Jakes, you know, like on TV. It just, I mean, I, I grew up a Baptist. I never watched them because I, I just thought it was funny. You know, but you know what I always used to watch T.D. Jakes for is I don't know what the guy preached, but I would always be looking at, look at how that guy's dressed. You know, and you just be looking at this clothing, you're like, look at this guy, look at how he's dressed. You know, and these TV preachers, often they're like that, where they're, they're dressed in a way, nobody's even listening to the sermon, they're just like, where did he find that? <laughs> you know, he must have he found that at the Clothes for Bros store, you know, down, down on Truxel or whatever. Anyway, go, go to Exodus 28, I'm, I'm getting on a rabbit trail. Exodus 28. In the beginning of the, of, the, of the Bible, you got Genesis, Exodus, Exodus 28. So guideline number one, how should we dress? We ought to dress to be modest. When it comes to your clothing, consider modesty. Look, when you get dressed, young man, young lady, old man, old lady, whatever, when you get dressed, before you get, go out of the house, you ought to look in the mirror and ask yourself, am I dressed to bring attention to myself? Or... Is what I'm wearing, would it be considered modest? Because God desires for your clothing to be modest. But let me give you guideline number two. Not only does God desire for your clothing to be modest, guideline number two is this. God wants your clothes to cover your nakedness. God desires for your clothes to cover your nakedness. Now you would say, well, pastor, isn't that obvious? Isn't it obvious? Well, we're going to see this morning that it's not that obvious. Because what God constitutes as nakedness is not the same as what our world constitutes as nakedness. Our world today will say, will look at an individual and say, oh, they're fine. And God will say, no, they're naked. And let me prove it to you from the Bible. What is it that the Bible constitutes as nakedness? Exodus 28, look at verse 42. And look, we're, we're looking at a lot of scriptures. And again, 
You may be sitting here thinking, I can't believe he's saying this. I don't know that I agree with this. Okay, can you just follow along in the Bible, though, and realize that this is what the Bible teaches? Can you just follow along in Scripture and at least, at least acknowledge the fact that everything we're proving comes from the Word of God? Because here's the question we're going to answer. What does, God, what does God constitute as nakedness? Exodus 28, look at verse 42. Notice what he says. Exodus 28, you got Genesis, Exodus. Exodus 28, verse 42. And thou shalt make them linen breeches... Okay, the word breeches is the same word as breeches, which is pants. We're going to come back to that in a minute. But notice what he says, to cover their nakedness. God said, I want them to put on. He said, I didn't know the Bible talked about these things. The Bible talks about everything. See, I didn't know the Bible talked about clothing. It's because you haven't read it. Because if you read the Bible, you'll, you'll figure out that God has an opinion about everything. And let me tell you something. God's opinion is always right. And if you think, well, that's not what I grew up with, then you grew up wrong. Well, that's not what I think. Then you're wrong. Well, that's not what society tells me. Then society is wrong because God is always right. The law of the Lord is perfect. And here we're told, thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness. What do you mean, God? Notice, from their loins even unto the thigh they shall reach. So here we see the first area that God constitutes as nakedness, and it's your loins. Now, look, I don't want to get into a lot of details. This should be fairly obvious. But this is the part of the body between the hips and the lower ribs. The part of the body that is the reproductive organs. God constitutes that as nakedness. Now, hopefully nobody here would disagree with that. I hope nobody here disagrees that God looks at the reproductive organs of a human being and calls that nakedness. But let me show you what else God calls nakedness. Go to Isaiah chapter 47. Isaiah chapter 47. I'm sorry, you know what? Go to Isaiah chapter 20. Let's look at that one first. Isaiah chapter 20. If you start at the middle of the Bible, Psalms, you got Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 20. Isaiah chapter 20, look at verse 4. Isaiah chapter 20 and verse 4. Notice what the Bible says. So shall the king of Assyria lead away the Egyptians' prisoners and the Ethiopians' captives, young and old, notice, notice, naked and barefoot, so here Isaiah is telling us he's going to lead these people away naked and barefoot. What do you mean by that? Notice, even with their buttocks uncovered to the shame of Egypt. God constitutes your backside or your rear end as nakedness. And you say, well, Pastor Manus, isn't that obvious? I don't know. Is it obvious when you've got beaches, when you've got uh, water parks, when you've got uh, 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 lakes and rivers all over this country and all over the world where people are, where people and women in the United States and men in Europe <laughs> are, are wearing bathing suits that show their buttocks? Wasn't that obvious? Well, it's obviously not since people put clothing on and call it nakedness. And you say, yeah, well, that's when you're swimming. And, and again, you need last, last sermon for that. Okay, so you, so you believe in situational ethics. Something may be right or wrong. Something may be wrong here, but it may be right somewhere else. Look, right is right and wrong is wrong. If it's, if it's wrong... 
for a woman to walk into this church building on a Sunday morning in a bathing suit or in a bikini or in her underwear. If a woman walked in here dressed in her undergarments and everyone would be appalled and people would be saying, how dare she? What nerve? You know, we'd be asking her to leave. We'd be throwing a towel on her and telling her to get out of here. Look, if it's wrong for her to do it in church on Sunday morning, it's wrong for her to do it at the lake. It's wrong for her to do it at the pool. It's wrong for, look, you just need to decide, are you going to be a hypocrite or not? Is it nakedness or not? You say, oh, okay, the loins are nakedness, that's obvious. The buttocks are nakedness, that's obvious sometimes. Okay, how about this one? Isaiah 47, look at verse 1. Isaiah 47, verse 1. Come down and sit in the dust. And, And by the way, let me say this, there's tons of verses we could look at on this subject. I'm just showing you three for sake of time. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground, there is no throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be called tender and delicate. Take a millstone and grind meal, uncover thy locks. Notice this word, notice the words. Make bare the leg, uncover the thigh, pass over the river. So I want you to notice in verse 2 he says, uncover the thigh. Then in verse 3, he says this, thy nakedness shall be uncovered. Okay, he says, your nakedness is uncovered. When did he say that? When somebody uncovered their thigh. What does that mean? And this is not the only place the Bible teaches this, but for sake of time, this is the one I'm showing you. Here's what the Bible teaches. Your thigh is your nakedness. So not only your loins, the area below your ribs, between your hips, not only is that nakedness, on the front side, not only is your buttocks on the back side nakedness, but God says your thighs are nakedness. So below your loins to your knee, that's your thigh, God says that's nakedness. And God says when you clothe yourself, I desire for you to cover your nakedness. Go to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. So let me ask you a question. Look, just be honest. We're looking at the Word of God. I don't, know, I don't know if you noticed, but you walked into a Baptist church this morning. That means we are biblicists. That means that the Bible is the authority in all matters of faith and practice. If you wanted someone to lie to you, go watch Joel Osteen. If you wanted someone to lie to you, go watch some prosperity preacher that's going to tell you you're great, everything's fine, throw money in the offering plate, and God loves you. But if you want to know what the Bible says, hey, when it comes to clothing, the Bible says your thigh is your nakedness. And God says, I want you to clothe to cover your nakedness. So let me ask you this. Should Christian ladies be wearing bikinis? Well, you know, do they show, if, if, if they show your thigh, they're showing your nakedness. How about short shorts? Should Christian ladies be wearing short shorts? The sad thing is we used to preach should Christian ladies be wearing short shorts. Now with the society... We live in, should little metrosexual preppy kids be wearing short shorts? And the answer is no! Amen. Because your thigh is your nakedness. How about many skirts? How about any skirt that shows off your thigh? How about a long skirt that has a slit that comes up to here and shows off your thigh? Look, all of it is nakedness. And here's all I'm telling you. If you desire to please the Lord, you'll not only wear clothing that is modest, but you'll wear clothing that covers your nakedness. And here's the funny thing, is that today you've got people 
all over this world who are walking around naked by God's standards and don't even know it. They don't even know it because they don't read the Bible because they don't go to church or because they don't go to a church that actually teaches the Bible to them. Revelation chapter 3, look at verse 17. <clears throat> Last book in the New Testament should be fairly easy to find, Revelation 3.17. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. I want you to notice what Jesus said to this church. He says, And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind? He said, You don't even know that you're wretched. You don't even know that you're miserable. You don't even know that you're poor. You don't even know that you're blind. And then he says this, And knowest not that thou art... He said, You don't even know that you're naked. He said, And knowest not thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Verse 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Say, why is Jesus talking to the church of Laodicea and telling them you're sitting in church naked, you don't even know it. He's saying, I wish you would buy of me. He said, I wish that you would put on clothes that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. But you know what? You can go to most churches in America today and find a whole lot of women that are sitting there with their miniskirts on, and they're naked, and they don't even know it. And again, look, if you've never heard this before, this is the first time you've heard it, we're not mad at you. We're not trying to guilt trip you or make you uh, be embarrassed. But you know what? Our priority at Verity Baptist Church is to teach the entire counsel of God. And when it's the sermons about love thy neighbor, which I think we need a revival on sermons about love thy neighbor and, 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 and not gossiping and, and being kind, we're going to preach that with authority. But you know what? All the other stuff that the world doesn't like, we're going to preach that with authority too. Amen. We're not ashamed of any of it. We're for all of it. You say, uh, are you embarrassed to preach sermons like this? I'm never embarrassed to stand up and preach the Bible. I'd be embarrassed to get up and lie to you and, and tell you, oh, well, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about clothing. and Look not on the appearance. God looks on the heart. No, the Bible talks a lot about clothing. What does the Bible say about clothing? Here's what he says. He wants you to wear modest apparel. Guideline number one, your clothing ought to be modest. Guideline number two, your clothing should cover your nakedness. Your clothing should cover your nakedness. Go to Matthew chapter 5, first book in the New Testament. It should be fairly easy to find. Let me just say this when it comes to these two points. Not flashy, covering your nakedness. You should dress in a way to not bring attention. And let me just say this. A Christian should not wear anything that might cause someone from the opposite sex to lust after them. You say, should Christian ladies wear these low-cut shirts exposing their chest? Well, pastor, it's not nakedness. You can't show me a verse in the Bible that says your breasts are naked. Okay, uh, is it modest? Is it, are, you, are you dressing like that to bring attention to yourself? Are you dressing like that so people will see you? Well, then you're not right. Then you're wrong. And, and look, the Bible teaches that women are not dressed in a way to bring attention to themselves. Matthew 5, 27. The Bible says this, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. This is Jesus speaking. He says, But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And let me just say this, because this is the primary application. The primary application is to men 
that men are not to look on, to, on, on a woman that they're not married to, to lust after her in their heart. Okay? The Bible says, you know, Job said this, I made a covenant with mine eyes, why should I think upon a maid? Psalm says this, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. So look, we're not making excuses for men. Men need to control their eyes. The Bible says that when a man looks on a woman to lust after her, he has committed adultery with her already in his heart. So men, you need to control your eyes. Because look, nobody wakes up someday and is just, uh, you know, committing adultery. The, the steps to major sin come with a bunch of small steps in between. And the first step to David committing adultery with Bathsheba was David looking at Bathsheba and not controlling his eyes. Looking at her and lusting after her, that was the first step. I'm not saying every man that looks at a woman lusts after her is committed adultery, but here's what I'm telling you. You need to learn to control your eyes, man. You need to learn to control your eyes, and you need to learn to control the Internet. And look, I, if you've got Internet on your phone, you need to have some sort of a system, something to, to guard the pornography that is accessible. You've got a teenage boy. Don't give him a phone with just access to everything and anything the world has to offer. You are insane. You need to put protections on those things. Men need to protect themselves. Look, you say, Pastor, why are you saying that? You, you want to end up ruining your life? You want to end up just destroyed, uh, having your life destroyed? You want to end up one day? You think pastors wake up and they just, I'm going to go be with prostitutes today? No, it happens in a process. It happens with decisions. It happens with adultery. So look, we're not minimizing the fact that men need to control their eyes and men need to make sure that they don't have access to, and I, you know, I'm not saying it's wrong for you to have internet on your phone. All I'm saying is this, you better make sure you've got a way for somebody to keep you accountable. Better make sure you've got some sort of soft, at least have some software on there to try to stop those things or to make sure, you know, make sure your wife has access to your phone and to your laptop and to your computer. And you know, honestly, I'm trying to like limit the access I have to like computers and laptops. You walk into my office, you won't see a laptop in there. You won't see a computer in there. I don't, you say, don't you need, I've got a computer at home you know, that I use with my wife. You say, you say, why? Because, look, I'm just trying to make sure I don't ruin my life. And maybe you don't need that. That's fine. But here's all I'm telling you. We're not, you know, what I'm about to say from this verse is not in any way taking the responsibility away from men. Men need to learn to control their eyes. I hope I made that clear. But with that said, I want you to notice what the verse also says. Matthew 5, 28. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her have committed rape with her in his heart. Is that what it says? It says he committed adultery with her. You say, why? Because when women dress immodestly, they take part in that sin. Because when you, you women will say, well, I'm going to dress however I want, and that's their problem. No, it's your problem too. You need to make sure you dress modestly so you're not tempting men to lust after you. Now, if they're lusting after you, that's their problem. God's going to punish them for that. God's going to uh, chastise them for that. But you know what, ladies? Make sure you're dressed in a way where you're not just dressing to bring attention to yourself, where you're not dressing to bring the wrong type of attention to yourself. And especially for ladies, 
Make sure you're not dressing in a way where you're, you're just purposely trying to men, trying to cause men to lust after you. You say, why are you preaching this for men? Because generally women don't struggle with that. I mean, I don't know. Generally, I don't think women are just like, look at that guy. You know, and they like lust after some hairy, ugly, fat guy or whatever. You know, generally it's men who are struggling with that. So you know what? Men, control your eyes, and it doesn't matter what the women do. It doesn't matter what society does. It doesn't matter what Hollywood does. You need to learn to control your eyes. You need to set safeguards to control your eyes. You need to make sure that you're not making provision for the flesh. But at the same time, ladies, make sure you're dressed in a way where you're not provoking men to lust after you. Because you're partaking in that sin because he calls it adultery. He's committing adultery with you in his heart. So when it comes to clothing, some of you are like, can you go back to the Philippines? (laughs) I don't know. When it comes to clothing, number one, modesty. Your, the, gui- the guidelines for your clothing should be modest. Number two, nakedness. You got to cover your nakedness. Number three, I got to hurry up. God wants your clothing to identify your gender. God wants your clothing to identify your gender. Clothes should identify your gender, male or female. Let me prove it to you. Deuteronomy 22. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 22. Deuteronomy 22 and verse 5. Deuteronomy 22 and verse 5 says this, The woman, notice, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. All right. According to this verse, there is clothing that pertains to a man, that a woman should not wear. Neither, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. According to this verse, there is clothing, there is a garment that pertains to a woman that a man should not wear. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. So look, when he says the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto the man, that the woman should not put on clothing that belongs to a man? Here's a question I have for you. What type of clothing pertains to a man that does not pertain to a woman? I mean, is it socks? Is it shirts? Is it shoes? Maybe it'd be easier if we answered the second question. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. What clothing only pertains to a woman that... If a man wore it, we would say, wow, that's not right. Look, you know the answer to the question. If a guy walked into this church right now, if a guy walked into this church right now, uh, a man with a beard, with hairy legs, big, smelly guy, just wearing the nicest Sunday dress, (laughs) high heels, and, and, you know... The, the hat that he bought at um, Dress for God or whatever. I'm, I'm hitting all the stores, right? There's like, a, there's like a clothes for bros, and there's like a hat for God or something. I don't remember. It's on Norwood. You should go check it out. Here's the thing, if they, and I'm not against women wearing that, but I am, a, I am against a man wearing that. You know, if a guy walked in here in a dress, we'd all say, that's weird. Get that guy out of here. Get him away from our children. Why? Because look, There is clothing that belongs to women that does not belong to men. And what is it? It's dresses. It's skirts. So, you know, would it be wrong for a man to put a dress on? The answer is yes. Look, while we can answer that question, because listen to me, 
The day is coming. The day is coming. There, I believe that there will be a day, hopefully not when I'm preaching, but maybe the next guy who takes over as the pastor of this church, there will be a day when he's going to get up and say, men should not wear dresses. And people in the congregation are going to roll their eyes and say, oh, here he goes again. Because look, it's, it's coming. It's coming. We're, I mean, you can go out there right now and see men in dresses, and right now we still snark at it, we still roll our eyes at it, we still laugh at it, but it's coming and it'll become normal. Would it be wrong for men to put on a dress? The answer is yes. Why? Because that's cross-dressing. So look, if we all agree that a dress or a skirt is clothing that only pertains to a woman, and a man should not wear it, then look, listen to me. I'm not trying to offend you, but I'm not apologizing for the word of God either. The Bible is clear that men are to wear pants and that women are to wear dresses. You say, I can't believe you would say that. Okay, well, let's look at what the Bible says. Either in Deuteronomy, go to Exodus 28. Exodus 28, look at verse 42. Look, I'm, I'm not trying to, I, let me just break it to you. God talks about everything. When I, when, I, when I want to preach a sermon on clothing, I don't have to sit there and say, man, what should I say? There's so much to say. Because the Bible talks about everything. Exodus 28, verse 42. Exodus 28, verse 42. Thou shalt make them linen breeches. The word breeches is our, that, that uh, and if you've got a King James Bible, you'll have that word B-R-E-E-C-H-E-S. That's the old way that we would uh, spell the modern word breeches. B-R-I-T-C-H-E-S. Those are pants. He says, thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness from the loins even unto the thighs. They uh, shall reach. This is God speaking to men. Go to Leviticus chapter 6. Look at verse 10. You're there in Exodus, one book over. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 10. The Bible says this, and the priest shall put on his linen garment. Talking about men. Notice, and his linen, don't miss this, breeches. God tells men to put on breeches or breeches. Go to Leviticus 16. Look at verse 4. Leviticus 16, verse 4. He shall put on the holy linen coat. And he shall have on linen breeches, that's your breeches, upon his flesh, and shall be girded with a linen girdle, that's your belt, and with a linen mitra, that's your hat, and shall be attired. These are the holy garments, therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. I want you to notice that all throughout the Bible, God is telling men, put on breeches, put on breeches, put on pants. Go to Ezekiel chapter 44. Towards the end of the Old Testament, you got Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 44. Look at verse 18. Ezekiel 44, 18 says this, They shall have linen bonnets upon their heads, that's a hat, and shall have linen breeches or breeches upon their loins. They shall not gird themselves with anything that causes sweat. He says, put on breeches. Go to Daniel chapter 3. You're there in Ezekiel, just one book over. Daniel chapter 3, look at verse 21. Notice what he says in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 21. The Bible says this, Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, that's a, a Germanic word that means breeches, means pants, and their other garments. And here's all I'm trying to tell you. is all throughout the Bible, you only see men wearing pants. And look, I'll challenge you. I'll challenge you. If you can find a verse in the Bible where a woman is wearing pants, show it to me, and I'll stand up here next Sunday and apologize for the sermon and say, I've been corrected. Turns out there's a verse where a woman's wearing pants. But you know what? You can't find it. Because the Bible is clear that there is clothing that belongs to men and there is clothing that belongs to women. 
women are to wear dresses and skirts. Men are to wear pants, breeches, breeches. And here's the thing. Remember the second sermon in this series? Remember when I had the illustration about the world waxing worse and worse? Remember I had the guys come up here? And one of them represented the world. And one of them represented Christians. And we were talking about how like most Christians believe that separation is a distance from the world. As long as they stay a distance from the world, then they're living a separated life. And we talked about the fact that the problem with that belief system is that the Bible says that the world is waxing worse and worse. So if I'm a Christian, and here's the world, and separation is a distance from the world, the problem with that is that the world's getting worse. And as the world gets worse, if my separation is simply a distance, then I will get worse. And I will get worse. And I will get worse. Because as the world gets worse, I'll get worse. And look, back when the world used to be here, and Christians were over here, but now the world's over here, Christians are here. Same distance, but now the Christians are standing in the same place the world used to stand. And look, that illustration applies perfectly to clothing. Because 100 years ago, every pastor in America would have preached that it's, 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 it's uh, sin, that it's wicked, that it's, uh, it's cross-dressing for a woman to wear pants. But today, the average church, the average independent fundamental Baptist church, pastors' wives are wearing pants. You say, why? Because their separation was just a distance. Their separation was not based on the Word of God. It was just based on as long as we're a little better than the world. And now they're living, they're doing the same thing the world used to do. Look, separation, and we talked about this last time, is fixed on the Word of God. It doesn't matter how bad the world gets. God said that men and women are to dress differently. And look, if there was ever a time that this needed to be preached, this is the day when we live in a society where the sodomite, LGBTQ, X, Y, and Z agenda is being promoted. We need Christians to stand up and say, you know what? No, God has made a difference between male and female. He desires for them to live differently, to act differently, to be differently. God made them different for a reason. And God says, your clothing, your clothing, I'd identify your dressing. Now look, again, let me say this. You're here this morning, and you say, man, pastor, I'm a lady. I'm wearing pants. I didn't know. Look, we're not against you. We love you. You never heard this before. We're, we're not guilting you. Every, look, every woman in this, in this auditorium heard this for the first time. Sometime. We're not against you, but we're also not going to compromise on the Word of God. This is what the Bible teaches this is what God says. And look, honestly, some of you, you people, I preach this and people get mad at me. I'm never coming back. They get mad at me. You know, I can't believe you say that. But look, if you're honest with yourself, if you're honest with yourself, you know that intuitively everything I'm saying is true. You say, let me prove it to you. Or prove it to me. Let me prove it to you. And I use the same illustration every time I preach this. If you notice, every time I preach this, I try to keep the same points and I do that for a reason, because some of you have been coming to our church for like six years, five years. You've heard this sermon five, six different times. And I, I, I like to keep it similar because I want, I want to just drill these thoughts into your mind. When it comes to clothing, you ought to consider modesty, nakedness, and identity. 
you ought to consider modesty, nakedness, and identity. I want to drill into the minds of our young ladies here, our, the, the little girls in this auditorium that will become teenagers, that will become young ladies uh, one day. I want to drill into their mind that when it comes to clothing, they ought to consider modesty, nakedness, identity, modesty, nakedness, identity, modesty, nakedness, identity. Is my clothing modest? Am I covering my nakedness? Am I being clear on my identity, on my gender? And look, you know it's true. I mean, 40 of our church people were in the Philippines this week, this last week. Philippines, predominantly, people's, many people speak English. But you know, a lot of people speak Tagalog. And, and, and you don't, you know, they start, you know, I look Filipino. I'm not Filipino, but I look Filipino. I had tons of people walking up to me in Tagalog, speaking to me in Tagalog. And I'm like, yo quiero Taco Bell. I don't know. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm like, I'm not Filipino. I just play one on TV. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're saying. You know, I have people talking to me all the time. But you know what's funny? Even in a country where you don't speak the same language, you know that it's real easy. You know, when, you walk, when you're on a tour somewhere and you walk up to a restroom and, and you don't speak the language, but you see these signs on two different doors, you know that nobody's wondering, like, I wonder which one. I don't, I don't speak Tagalog. Which one's male? Intuitively, you know. And if you're honest with yourself, you'd say, man, I don't like it. I don't like him. I don't like his little jokes. But he's telling the truth. Because it's the word of God. Because it's what the Bible says. Because God desires for men and women to be different. He desires for your clothing to identify your gender. Let me give you one last one. We'll be done. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Not only does God desire for your clothing to identify your gender, but let me just say this. God desires for your hair to identify your gender. Now, I need to be careful because I need a haircut. So I'll tread lightly. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14, we just got back from the Philippines. I haven't had time to get a haircut. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 14 says this. Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. And we could develop this whole chapter. I'm not going to do that. But the Bible is very clear. God wants men to have long hair. God wants men... Uh, excuse me. Good night. <laughs> We're waxing worse and worse. No. God wants men to have, which one is it? Short hair, or short hair, and God desires for women to have long hair. The Bible's clear about that. Now, you know, you pre I preach that, and people will say, like, well, how, how short is short? How long is long? You know, is it, is it the number two on the clippers or the number four on the clippers? You know, the Bible doesn't tell us that. But here's what I would say. If somebody would walk up to you, men, and say, man, your hair is long. It's long. And if somebody would walk up to you, ladies, well, how short is short? If somebody walks up to you and says, oh, I like your short haircut, it's short. I don't know. I don't know how, you know, I, I can't tell you, like, it's got to be this measurement. I can tell you this, though. If people acknowledge it as being short, it's short. If people acknowledge it as being long, it's long. When you walk into a Starbucks and you've got two things in front of you and they both got the same skinny jeans on, and they've got, both got the same shaggy haircut that's kind of long and kind of not. 
and you're looking at a couple holding hands and you're not really sure if you're looking at two women holding hands or two men holding hands or a man and a woman or a woman and a man, they all look the same. The blending of the genders is the agenda of Satan. And you say, well, I'm just going to keep wearing my pants. Okay, go ahead and help Satan with his homosexual transgender agenda. But God says that he does not. Look, if people can't tell if you're a woman, you're doing it wrong. If they can't tell you're a man, look, we're living in a society today where, where men are just effeminate. Men are effeminate today. And you say, oh, you know, it's just in California. It's everywhere. In the Philippines, I have the time I'm like, I don't know, this guy is queer? I don't, I don't even know. I'm just going to give him all the benefit of the doubt, give him the gospel, and let God sort it out, because I can't even tell. It's just, it's just the Hollywood agenda, the Babylon USA just uh, 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 movement going all over the world. And look, men, dress like men. You're not, you're not going to catch me with a pink tie on. You're not going to catch me with tight, skinny jeans on. You know, God desires for there to be a difference between the sexes. God desires for them to look different. Genesis 1.27 says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So when it comes to clothing... Look, listen, it doesn't matter to me if you walk out of here saying, I love that preaching, or if you walk out of here and say, I hate that preaching. Really, that doesn't make a difference to me. What matters is, what does the Bible say? And if you walk out of here today and say, he made all that up, the Bible doesn't say that, then you weren't paying attention. Because, I mean, we went through scripture after scripture and showed from the Bible that when it comes to clothing, God desires. The guidelines that God puts on clothing is that when you get dressed, you ought to consider your modesty. Am I bringing attention to myself? Am I dressing in a way that's bringing attention to me? You ought to consider your nakedness. Am I covering my nakedness? All of it. And you ought to consider your identity. Am I being clear about my gender? Am I being clear? God God wants women to have long hair. He wants men to have short hair. God wants women to put on dresses and skirts. God wants men to put on pants. This is what the Bible teaches, and I realize that that's not what society believes. That's not what most churches are teaching, but this is what the Bible says. And And here's all I'm telling you. If you're going to be a peculiar people, separated unto God, a holy nation, a sanctified people. Like we started the sermon, holy and complete, not only in your soul and in your spirit, but in your body. Then you better allow God to have control over your clothing. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Bible. <clears throat> thank you for these uh, scriptures, Lord. And I realize that the, the, the sermons this morning may not be the most popular. People might think it's radical. But Lord, help us to always be willing to see what the Bible says and to realize that the Bible is always true, no matter what anybody else says, no matter what anybody else thinks. The Bible is true. God's always right. And Father, I pray you'd help us to raise up an army of believers in this church that would want to please you in every area of their lives. Lord, we thank you. 
thank you for allowing us to be able to uh, study your word and that you don't just leave, leave us hanging on areas, Lord, in every area, in every area of our lives, you tell us what you desire, how we might draw close to you. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.